first, though, another stinker of a week weather-wise, not least, obviously, because of Storm Debbie. At times like these, you would really, really feel for anyone trying to live and farm in the Shannon Callows. Just look at a map of that part of the country. The catchment of the Shannon River is so big that if it rains in Boyle, County Roscommon, or in Ballinasloe, County Galway, or in Mullingar, County Westmeath, all of that water eventually ends up in the Callows. So this week, once the skies had cleared a little... I set off for County Offaly. I'm outside the village of Sharon Harbour in Offaly. And to all the world, it looks like they have just started farming swans here. For a kilometre in every direction, all I can see around me is water, except there are still the tops of fences, the tops of gates... But the only livestock to be seen here now are all of these hooper swans in the middle of what were once fields. Not surprisingly, here comes the rain again. There's a real tension in this landscape. One minute you're walking as I am right now on a pretty firm grassland and then next thing... You're up to your knees in water. There's a fight between what this place wants to be, land or waterway, or both at different times of the year. You can see where the water was up to there, the line of it. All the plaster falling off the walls. Some of your floorboards buckling there, warping. Yes. This is a depressing sight, what? isn't it? You tell me. Just a hundred yards down the road, I bumped into Paddy Towie, who showed me the damage from one of the recent floods. It's not good for your mental health, I'd say. She's no. just not sure crazy. Paddy's bigger concern now, though, was that flooding had ruined chances of putting aside any fodder for this winter. And when he had tried to sell a few cattle to buy fodder, he'd got a very bad price for them. I showed cattle last night in the mart. And because of the quality of land here, they had no weights and I got very little money for them. And that's directly as a result of the quality of the grass because it's a bit saturated. The lack of potter, yes. And I had to sell my cattle. Well, practically you give them away by father and keep the rest there. Is this sustainable? No. It may be that the price his cattle had fetched yesterday had him down just at the point I bumped into him, or that he'd actually had enough. Lunacy on our part. Crazy. And we'll why keep on farming then? We know nothing else. Simple. No, nothing else. That must get in on you, does it? Well, you know, you'd have a not sleepless night because of it. What's the solution? Pay us to get out or do something, you know. Any place that more than one person gathers, there will be more than one opinion. And there are others whose land is as badly affected by the water who are determined to keep on farming. Well, this is a right of way into the callus here. There's a lot of meadow in the callus. And, uh, is that a meadow or is that a lake? Well, in this wintertime, uh, it's a lake. But in the summertime, it's a meadow. 
John Egan raises dairy calves to beef, but he's been doing so without 40 acres of his farm underwater since the 15th of June. That hasn't dimmed his enthusiasm, though. We farming here, we want to stay farming here to produce food, you know. It's kind of needed. How difficult has it gotten? Well, it does cost money uh, when you can't go on your land. And uh, you need to make a profit. It's what we're there for. We're landowners and we want to make a profit. And we've uh, a desire to to, to farm, eco, you know, eco-friendly farming. Like, it's, 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 it's part of what we do down here. It has been for generations, you know. John and his neighbours are proud of the work they have done with the National Parks and Wildlife Service to preserve their fields as bird habitats, something that they say is being ruined when the river floods in spring or summer now, washing eggs and fledglings away. They want to see more water let through at the weirs and the hydro stations on the Shannon and for silt to be removed by dredging. First and foremostly, the... uh the Shannon should be managed. I know there are a few pinch points there, but the Shannon water should be managed. They weren't managed this summer, in my opinion. Um, they, need to, they need to just get down to brass tacks and have a, a one body over the Shannon so that uh, it doesn't flood. And all those little birds' nests that we had, and I know were in that field that got flooded this year, and, you know, that shouldn't happen, like, you know. Would the river benefit from dredging? Yes, the river would benefit from dredging in places where there are pinch points and there's historically silt from Bordemona's activities that has silted it up. And if that was removed, I would say in the short term, uh, it would aid greatly. There is a big snag to dredging, though. It means that the water passes through your area more quickly, but it tends to cause even worse flooding downstream. couple of kilometres down river of Shannon Harbour at Mealick Weir, the new walkway which stretches right the way across the river and you get an idea of what it is that the Shannon wants to do in this part of the country. It splits up into five or six different channels here. It just does not want to be contained between the same two banks. It wants to be everywhere at the same time. There is another option for the Shannon Callows that's just never discussed, even though it happened here in the 1950s. But it is a political and social taboo. Managed retreat. The state steps in and relocates houses and farms to higher, drier land. The waterlogged fields become wetlands. We did it once before. And with climate change bringing only more and more flash flooding, is it time to find ways of making it one of the things that we can do again? That said, it is also divisive, unpopular, socially damaging and likely to be resisted tooth and nail. Why continue to farm here when trying to work this land throws ten times more obstacles and difficulties in your way than would happen to any other landowner? Well, I like it, believe it or not. I get a great joy out of it. I get a joy out of nature, and here is more nature than a lot of other places, and we're blessed that way. And the difficulties? I mean, the fact that you end up in the red? Yeah, that, that, that you'd be climbing up the pole till you slide down a bit. Uh, we do appreciate that... Uh, 
we have a few grants coming our way, but uh, it's it's marginal. The whole thing is marginal. You wouldn't make a living on it. What kind of stubbornness or <laughs> obstinacy is in the genes that keeps you going? I don't, I can't understand it myself, Philip, most of the time. So, on a good sunny day, I can understand it. But on a wet, wintry day, I can't. So there you go. But as the intensity of unseasonal rains grows, for every John Egan happy to keep going, there will be a Paddy Towie at his wits' ends. It's unsustainable. It can't be easy, though, to say enough of enough, I can't do this anymore. I'm, that's where I am, yes. I'm at that point, like, it's... it's it has you be? Yes, because of the water and the way things are here at the moment. Crazy. That's a very agitated Paddy Towie there. So do we do what Paddy suggested? For those who have had enough, should there be an exit strategy? The majority, including the farm organisations, want dredging and engineering and flood defences. But should we also give more consideration for doing what the Dutch call making room for the rivers? It's not popular. But we did do it, as I was saying, in the past. 1954, severe flooding on the Shannon Callows and the government of the day opted for managed retreat, giving farmers with inundated land access to new farms on better land. Dr Fia Tuberty is a geographer who has studied what happened back then. Very good morning to you, Fia. Very welcome to Countrywide. What did happen in 1954? Um, Yeah, so in December 1954, there'd been really severe flooding Along the Shannon south of Athlone, about 70 square miles in total were were underwater um, and people had to be evacuated. About 100 households had to be evacuated to um, alternative accommodation around Athlone. Um, So after that, like in the aftermath, I guess there were discussions of how uh, we could or what response could be taken to this. Um, Like in the 1940s, the state had started a programme of arterial drainage. Uh, so like embanking rivers uh, to prevent the flooding of farmland. Um, but at that point, it was decided that it wasn't feasible or worth the investment to embank the Shannon. Um, and that assessment didn't change after the flooding in 1954. There was a report by an American engineer, expert American engineer, which said, yeah, it wasn't feasible to do a big embanking project. Um, so... One of the alternatives uh, was to support people to to relocate and what we'd now call managed retreat. Um, So initially there was proposals for quite a large scale project where like about 100 households would be moved entirely out of the Shannon Callows area. And what eventually transpired due to opposition um, from the people involved was a smaller scale scheme where about where six households moved kind of entirely out of the area and then 60 uh, households were provided with new homes on higher ground but in the same area so they kept their mm-hmm. existing farms. Were any of the six that moved farms, did they relocate somewhere else? Yeah, so we don't have like very detailed personal histories of most of the people involved but one exception to that is um the case of Dennis and John Hughes and um, because they were the their family was the subject of a book by a local historian Rosaline Fallon and so they were provided with a new new farm on better land and in fact almost double the acreage they previously had uh, in, in the same area in the same parish or a different part of the country no sorry near to moat 
Um, so they moved, I think that's about 50 kilometers mm-hmm. away from mm-hmm. where they were in Clonone, um, and they were moved to like adjacent farms. So the family was still together. Was it popular or was there a large degree of resistance to this policy? Yeah, it's it's hard to say precisely, but there was certainly evidence of both support and opposition. Um, so like it was opposed by some people on the grounds that it would, like they didn't want to leave their homes. They didn't want to see the community broken up. Um, there's one quote from a parish priest talking about how the Shannon would be Shannon area would be transformed into a valley of death and silence if the Spanish retreat program went ahead Um, and then there was also opposition seemingly from kind of larger farmers and their political representatives who were opposed to this program of land reform and land redistribution which this project was part of Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's also evidence of support including from smaller farmers and their representatives including particularly Jack McQuillan who was a TD for Clonna Publica um, and also like people like John, John, this guy John Hughes who ended up moving to Moat he was a real keen advocate. What is interesting though is that something that is almost a taboo to discuss now was common currency was constantly cropping up in dull debates throughout the 20s, 30s and 40s and then that changed. Yeah, yeah. So I guess to give some context or explain how the Shannon scheme came about, like this came about because of the operations of the Land Commission. And so the state body, which had been set up to uh, reapportion land, yeah, reapportion land, yeah, break up estates and reapportion land. But one of their modes of operation was what they called uh, migration schemes, whereby small farmers, mostly in the west of Ireland, would be provided with new farms. more land and generous subsidies sometimes nearby to where they were originally but sometimes the other side of the country and these were often very enthusiastically taken up because of what it provided in terms of welfare. So you're saying that there was a mechanism, there was a state agency there to move people from one part of the country to the other, which would be a piece of administrative infrastructure we just don't have today, really. Yeah, exactly. This was a familiar idea. It was quite popular with a lot of the people involved, like uh, thousands of people or thousands of households were moved around the country through this mechanism. So the expertise was there, the framework was there. And as I say, it was a familiar idea to people. You listen to voices like John Egan's, though, in that report, and you can see that that attachment to land, to place, to community runs really, really very deep. A policy like this were to be introduced today would have a big uphill struggle to gain acceptance. Yeah, um, yeah. And like managed retreat is something that we're seeing discussed as a possible response to climate change in Ireland to some extent, but also more widely. Um, But like this is a core tension which arises that at a basic level, people often don't want to leave their homes. They don't want to leave their communities, the places they're uh, familiar with. Um, Like one response to this is that in the US, for instance, there's been programs where people kind of move collectively. So that means Mm. it kind of tries to address the issues in terms of breaking up the community. Um, Obviously, in the Shannon example, what they did was just people moved house to higher ground. So they didn't actually leave the area kind of wholesale. So that's one kind of compromise option that might work in some cases now. Um, And then as well, like there's just the issue that like climate change itself is going to really change our landscapes. um, And I suppose the key thing there is the clue is in the name. We do managed retreat in a managed and orderly way now, or we have to respond chaotically in the future to the floods that we know will come. Yeah, exactly. Like 
we're already seeing people being displaced by climate change around the world. Um, and I think it's fair that we should provide them or ensure they have somewhere safe to go to. And also like in Ireland and elsewhere, there's examples where people have been flooded and they're actively looking for supports okay. to move elsewhere. And I think that that should be accommodated. Well, it should be an option. It should be something, a tool in the toolbox, as they say, and not um, something that is mandatory or compulsory. Dr. Fia Tuberty, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Just coming up to 29 minutes to nine o'clock.